This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hey, hey, Christian Family Church, how are you guys doing this morning? Everybody good? Amen. I'm looking at a packed bumper-to-bumper, shoulder-to-shoulder packed church in Jesus' name. That's my confession. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you guys agreeing with me? All those also in the overflow venues, those watching online, welcome to the service this morning. Well, let me take the opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the honor and the privilege of preaching the message today. So let's open up in prayer. Can I have a little bit feedback, less feedback monitor here on the front? Thank you. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the word go forth changing each and every person under the sound of my voice. Let it impart into them, Lord. And in advance, I will give you all the praise and all the glory. And Holy Spirit, you are the one that will teach today. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees with that, come on, give the Lord a mighty shout of praise wherever you are. Amen. A little bit more. Thank you. There we go. Praise God. Well, welcome to service this morning. Hasn't it been a great time? I mean, we're in the month of the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That is the good news to us. And today, the title of our message is The Life That God Rewards. The Life That God Rewards. Isn't it great to know there is a life that you can live on this earth that the Lord rewards? It reminds me uh, of a story um, that, uh, well, let me just say this first of all. As you know, today, well, you might not know this yet, but uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the preceding seven weeks up until uh, today, today is uh, um, session number eight on this subject, we've learned about our faith, we've learned about wisdom, we've learned about so many things. Hasn't it been great? How many of you have enjoyed the book of James? Amen. I mean, if there's ever a book that you can read that will guide you in life, it is the book of James. So let me tell you a story as we deal with this, a life that God rewards. And today we're going to be talking about your favorite subject, money. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, let me tell you the story. There was a guy that uh, went to the doctor and the doctor told him, listen, man, you've only got a couple of months to live. Things are not looking good for you. With that news, he went to uh, his wife, back to his family, and said, listen, I've just received the news that, hey, I might be dying in a couple of months from now, but this is the instruction that I would like to issue. When I die, I want you to put all my wealth, all everything, all my money, everything, I want you to put it in the coffin with me when I die. You've got to promise me that you're going to do this. He called the, the rest of his family, his children, make sure mom does this. Spoke to his friends, please make sure my wife does this. I want to be buried with my wealth, because he had a lot of wealth. And so the day came, and they were at the, at the, um, the place where he used to be buried, and everybody was watching anxiously to see how are they going to put all this wealth into the coffin. And they saw the coffin there, and the wife just had a small little box like this in her hand. And when it came time for the coffin to go down, she came forward and she put the small little box on the coffin and everybody was wondering, where is all the wealth? And afterwards, they asked and spoke to her and said, listen, 
what did you do with the wealth? His instruction was clear. Please put the wealth with me in my coffin. And she said, I wrote him a check, and I put all his credit cards in that little box. And if he can cash it, he can spend it. Amen. <laughs> so uh, this morning, for a lot of you that want to think, okay, I'm going to take all my wealth with me, you can, with your credit cards and your checkbook. For those that are younger, you don't understand uh, perhaps uh, checkbooks and things like that, but your cards, and if you can cash it, and you can spend it. The Bible says very clearly in the book of James, now listen, rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Now, it's interesting. It's interesting that on this portion of Scripture here is that the writer is saying that gold can corrode. And as you know, gold cannot corrode. Steel can corrode. But gold is one of those precious metals that it cannot corrode. But yet he says here, rich people, watch out. Your gold will corrode and your wealth will rot away. Now, how is that going to happen? Let's, let's continue. The corrosion will testify against you. So that corrosion, whatever that is, will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields, and are cry they are crying out against you. Goes on to say, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. It goes on to say, you have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Wow. So James is giving it to us straight. I mean, he is not even covering this up. And if you read that portion of scriptures, one of those scriptures, I don't know how many of you have read this before, but it's one of those scriptures when you read it, you feel guilty because you are rich. Because it seems like this is a condemnation against those that have wealth. He's not softening the blow here. You must be careful how you use your wealth because if you use it to define your value or your worth or your identity, that will be a problem. We should rather use our wealth, rather use God's standard that will determine our wealth, our value, and our identity. Amen? And so this is what it is talking about. So look what it says here. James is not condemning wealth, but our responsibility that comes with wealth. Family, if you think that, hey, if I have the million bucks, everything is going to be cool. I will never have a sad day in my life. There's a couple of things that money cannot buy. Money cannot buy love. It can maybe buy it for five minutes. Maybe it can do some other things. But maybe uh, well, uh, wealth cannot buy you health. You can have all the money in the world, but it cannot buy you health. So James is not condemning wealth, but our responsibility that comes with wealth. Is this okay if we get a little bit deep on this? Is it okay if we get a little bit hard on this? Amen? Okay, great. 
So I want you to know from this portion of scripture that we've read, here is the interesting thing. Look at this. God wants to reward us. And he wants to do it. He rewards a giving life. Family, I am convinced that when you are wealthy, when you have a lot, when you've been blessed by the Lord, that it is not the intention for you to keep it for yourself. Surely you would, you would share it with your family. You would share it with your friends. You would share it with things that makes you feel good. You would share it in times when you want to bless other people. Why not do it in the work of God as well? Because that is the life that he will reward. Now it's interesting, look at this. It's never how much we have but what attitude we have. You see, it's your attitude towards money. There's nothing wrong with saving money, family. In actual fact, you should. There's nothing wrong with the accumulation of wealth. There's nothing wrong with being smart with your money. Some people might call you stingy, but being smart with your money. Because God has called us to be stewards of what he gave. You heard this morning when Dean Elaine was talking about the tithes and offerings, you've been given either five talents, two talents, or one talent. God is looking at what you will do. Will you reproduce with what he gives you? Money is in each and every one of our hands. God is looking at what you're going to do with it. But the Bible talks about and deals with our attitude about money and what we are to use it for. So let me give you a biblical example of how wealth is used irresponsibly and selfishly. Uh, and, and, and specifically, because you'll remember in the beginning, I spoke about the fact that your, your wealth can rot and your gold can corrode. How do you rot your wealth and how do you corrode your gold? In the book of Malachi, look here what it says here. But you ask, now don't go to Malachi 3, we're in Malachi 1 right now, okay, amen? But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible? When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice the lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Or I like to say, yeah, say to Sars, listen, I'm a little bit short on my, you are, on my um, uh, tax, my personal tax. Um, can you just take 50% this month? No. Sars not going to say, you know, Sars doesn't trust you. They take their money first. God trusts you. You have the money first. Now it's your choice whether you're going to give to the Lord. Amen? You guys with me, family? Are we good still? Okay, good, good. Why would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Now, let me explain to you how offerings were allotted and how the tithe was apportioned to the Lord. In the days uh, of old that the, the, the person would say sheep and cattle, uh, how the tithe would be allotted. Simply this, the cattle would run underneath the stick and every tenth one, no matter what its condition, this is the tithe to the Lord. And then this is the one that's the offering to the Lord. But what they started doing in biblical times, when it came to the 10th one, they saw, this is a nice ram. 
Uh, no, no, no. This is too good for the Lord. We got a couple of sick ones here. Let's replace the good one. Let it one go by. We'll give the bad one, the blemished one, the lame one. We'll give that to the Lord. And what they started to do was that the priest noticed this, the Lord noticed this, and said, you are giving me replacements. You are giving me blemished and lame offerings. How do we give blemished, replacements, or lame? When we don't give what God asks us to give, that can corrode your gold. That can rot your wealth. Amen, family? Are you with me? So we've got to be careful. Well, this time we had once had a lady. I hope you're not here today, but maybe it's good that you're listening. That phoned us at the church and said, listen, um, I had a blowout on my tire this month and I have to buy some new tires. Can you just return my tithe? You've immediately replaced. It's now blemished and it's lame. Amen? I don't want to be in your position. I really don't want to be in your position. Because that's how we corrode and rot our wealth. Now look at this. Here it is. When I offer a defiled offering, my wealth is rotten. Look at this. When I offer a blemished offering, my gold is corroded. Now, I don't know about you, family. James is talking about this in the fifth chapter, and he's talking about the importance of wealth and how we are to use our wealth. Yes, for our own good, for the friends and family, but also for the work of the Lord. Amen? Look what it says here in the Bible. It goes on to say, You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. The cries of the ones you could have helped are going up into heaven. That is powerful. In other words, when we do not care about, say, our family members and our friends and those people that the Lord lays on our heart, and we just continue our merry way in self-indulgence and luxury, and we do not care about anything else, those cries go up into heaven. Now, for me, that says a lot. So the attitudes of a giving life is this. This is what it should be. This is what I should be doing with my wealth. Number one, the attitudes of a giving life. Number one, don't hoard it greedily, but steward it wisely. I mean, how many of you have watched that show on TV, Hoarders, where those people haven't cleaned their homes? Oh, sorry, I mean, <clears throat> they haven't, they're hoarding stuff for the last 20 years. How many of you have seen that? How many of you are sitting next to one? No, I'm only kidding, only kidding. All right. Okay, I mean, when I watch that program, Hoarders, I can't believe you can't even see the floor. Sometimes you can't see a meter up high because it's just, it's like they open the door and they just throw it in there. Close it again. Throw it in there. I mean, when I look at that, it's like, ooh, I, I, I can't do that. <clears throat> I mean, if you know what I'm saying. Amen. And uh, I mean, <laughs> it's just terrible. It's just terrible. In actual fact, hoarding is a disease. It's a disease. It brings on, it's brought on by depression and anxiety and separation. And so for some reason, people have separation anxiety and they don't want to let go. And they are even collecting for the last 20 years all the newspapers, all the dust, all the garbage. 
The effects of hoarding, because it is a sickness, is isolation. You'll find that hoarders isolate themselves. They go into depression. They become anxious. And they suffer from separation anxiety. Now, family, stingy people are also lonely people. <laughs> Most of the time, I mean, how many of you like to be around uh, uh, stingy people? How many of you have been out with that person that would say to you is that, it's, you know it's their time to pay for the coffee, but they, wallet, in the car. Instead of saying, okay, go get it, I'll wait for you, don't worry. I'll have another cup on you. <laughs> Amen, it's just like, ah, oh, sorry. I mean, how many times do you invite that person when they say, let's go out for coffee? No, Whew, got, got somewhere to go. This is not when my yes is yes and my no is no. No, I'm not teaching it. I'm going to teach it right away, okay? So stingy people are lonely people that isolate themselves. And because of that, I don't know about you guys, you can have all the wealth in the world, but if you're isolated, if you are lonely, what pleasure will that bring you? Whereas if you can learn how to release it, something else can happen. Amen? Look at this, number two. Don't handle it deceitfully. That's your wealth. Don't handle your wealth deceitfully, but distribute it honestly. Being honest in relation to your stewardship is how you treat others with your wealth. Not dishonestly or deceitfully. I mean, if you've got people working for you, don't say, all right, what's the market rate? 100 rand an hour. Okay, and what is the, the bottom of the barrel rate? 40 rand an hour. Okay, I'll give you 35. I mean, don't be deceitfully. Don't be dishonest. Be a blessing to somebody. Surely the money that he will earn is he's worked for it. Amen? So why don't you be a blessing? Because you see, if you can understand the great exchange, if you give, you will receive. You see, that's what we know in the church. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together and running over. God will not forsake the givers. Even if you've got nothing, whatever I have, I'm going to give. God will provide for you. Amen? But we've got to give God what is His. We've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to be led by, if God says, I want you to help with that welfare project, I want you to feed those people, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, then we've got to be led by God to do what He wants us to do. Number three, don't spend it selfishly, but share it generously. You see, some people is just spend, 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 spend. <laughs> Or rather, it should rather be share, 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 share. A life that God rewards. Amen? My wife is the most generous person I've ever met in the world. Even my daughter. They would take their last couple of hundred rand and they would buy gifts for other people or for other uh, um, uh, persons that are in greater need. I remember uh, when she was working in Edinburgh Hospital, then because of COVID, the mommies could not come into the hospital even to, to bond with their babies if they were kept behind because of whatever the reason might be. And so she would help them with clothing. And we as a welfare team also helped the babies there in those areas. But she would spend the last cent on buying clothes for the babies because they got nothing. Mommy is not there. And my wife as well, she spends it on my behalf. She spends mine, a double portion, you know. So I can be a little bit stingy. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Okay. But she's spending a good portion of it herself. Amen. Look what it says here in Luke 12. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. 
A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Amen? Now, look at this. Um, okay, let me just, before I get there. We tend to rank people based on their wealth, based on their position, based on their shoe collection. Even to the point when you get to the four-way stop street, if you're driving a skadonk and you driving in your nice car, comes there three seconds after the guy at the, at the four-way stop, they let you go first. Because, hey, that's an important car, you know. How many of you have experienced that? You just say, hey, but I was here first. Now that guy just goes. He thinks he can go just because he drives a fancier car. How does that work? Amen? So we rank people based on our wealth and position, even on our shoe collection. Okay, ladies, I'm coming for you now. All right? You guys, I mean, you got all this. I mean, look at all my shoes. I mean, when you show your, your, your friends your new house, or your, you first go to the cupboard. Look, check, man. Every pair, every color, every size, whatever the case may be. Amen? But truly so. There's nothing wrong having possessions. The problem is when possessions have us. Amen? You see, some people's self-image is based on their possessions. Now, let me say this. Listen clearly to me now. Self-image is the image I have of myself. And if I have a beautiful car, my self-image is beautiful. That's why so many people are driving cars that you should not be able to fit into that car, but yet you're driving that car just because of a self-image thing. If I, and, and, and unfortunately, in our society today, I see so many people that are basing their self-image, their self-worth on their possessions. Albeit maybe only for three months, they'll repossess it, but for three months, I'll feel good about myself. And for the next two years, you're down in the drips. If your self-image is based on the car, when you lose your self-image, you're going to lose it here as well. It's got to be based, your worth is based on God's word. Your wealth is based on God's word. Your identity is based on God's word, not on your wealth. Amen? There's a bigger purpose for wealth other than bragging, showing off. Are you guys with me? Everybody still happy? And all the guys with the Lambo said... Amen. All right. <laughs> Look what it says here. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Amen, family. I want to let you know that when you give, there is freedom in giving. I mean, how many of you have emptied out your bank accounts? I, I, I won't, don't put up your hands, guys. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I've emptied out my bank accounts for the sake of the ministry. I remember the Lord speaking to me clearly. I had 276 rand in my bank account. He said, give it all. And I tell you what, at first you say, no, but we need it for fuel. We need it maybe for something in this week. There's still a week or two to go. And I just gave it. And the, the freedom in that is just amazing. Because now I can refresh other people through my giving and in the process, God will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He's with me always. Amen? I love the generosity of this house. I love the generosity of you, people, the welfare, serving, serve they, giving to those that are in need. 
you guys just made a difference over COVID. I mean, you guys just made an absolute difference in your generosity. Don't stop. Continue to do it. Join a welfare group if you want to make a difference. I mean, just recently, because of the fires in Cape Town, you the members, we gave 10,000 rand. Christian Family Church gave 10,000 rand to support. It's a small amount, but we gave that amount to help the firefighters. Do you know that when they go into a fire, it's almost 1,300 degrees Celsius? I listened to an interview on, on, on radio the other day, and they were saying, each time before we go into a fire, we pray. And we trust God because we know it's impossible to be in that environment. Trust that God will bring us out. So we're supporting you. 821 against human trafficking, uh, uh, um, abuse of women and of children. All great jobs that we do. And we want to say thank you for giving because as you refresh somebody else, you too will be refreshed. Amen, family? Now, the second part of the book of James deals with, with a completely different topic. It deals with the coming of the Lord. Okay, and that we are to be patient in the return of the Lord. But you know, if you haven't sorted out the first part, the first seven verses or six verses dealing with our heart attitudes towards giving and helping and supporting and not making wealth our God, we will never be able to be ready and wait for the day of the coming of the Lord. So it says here in James 5, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop and how patiently he is in the autumn and in the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. It goes on to say, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. Goes on to say, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And then it goes on to say, above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you will be condemned. Let me talk to you about actions of a giving life that leads to waiting for the coming of the Lord. It's all connected. If my heart attitude is right towards giving, then my heart attitude will be right in the waiting and the coming of the Lord. The return of the Lord is imminent. The Bible says that when His foot will touch the Mount of Olives, the earth will, 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 will part east to west, and the top part will move to the north and the south, and a river of water will flow from there. And at that moment when his foot touches the ground, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? What is our attitude, not only in our giving, but in waiting for the Lord? The first thing that you need to know is be patient. Be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with others. Be patient with God's promises. They are yes and amen. He is soon coming back. Some people think that COVID was the end of the world. It was the end, Pastor Johnny. We, this is the tribulation. And there means some people that we never expected to come to church, all of a sudden came to church and online and we connected with new people. Some people have used COVID. Well, well, I, I, I don't want to come anymore. 
and using all for excuses. And hey, if you're watching online, you should be here in church. I've got a seat for you. Don't use COVID as a reason to stay away. Be patient. He is coming. Be patient also in your giving and affecting things in this world. The second thing that I want to talk to you about is persevere. Through the good times and the bad times, you need to persevere. Don't murmur against one another. Don't murmur against the Lord. Don't judge. Because the judge is standing at the door. He's the only one that can judge. Hold fast to your confessions of faith. You know, today, my PA, Sharona, her dad has had a double bypass. And for the last week, she's been praying and interceding in the office. For the whole eight, nine hours that I'm in the office, I'm hearing her pray. She's persevering. She's not giving up. She's going to hold fast to her confession. She keeps on praying in and amongst the work and everything else. Whenever I hear it, I hear her pray. Now, that's the kind of perseverance that we should have. We're not giving up because the judge is standing at the door. Number three, show compassion. Hey, our world needs it right now. Demonstrate it through what we do. Demonstrate it you by showing it to people, by living it, by doing it. God is compassionate and full of mercy. You see, family, I will give mercy because I would like to receive mercy. How many of you want to receive mercy? So why don't you show mercy? Number four, be consistent. Be consistent in your giving, but be consistent in the waiting of the Lord. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Can we not really, like in the old days, shake on it? I mean, I don't know what the spit meant. It's like covenant, you know. Put it there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So if I do that, don't worry about COVID. It's a covenant grip. Okay, I'm kidding. But people would agree, and a yes would be yes. You see, when something better comes, people change their yes. You maybe ask them, hey, won't you come for a bride? We're going to watch the game together. Okay, y'all now be there. Y'all lacquer, because nobody else has invited you. And then all of a sudden, you start feeling important because now three other people, they can rather come to our place. We've got bride place, this, we got that, we got this, we got a big screen TV. Hey, this is the place. And you say, I mean, I can't make it, man. Something came up. In the meantime, you're at your other friend's house. Let your yes, come on. We need to start having integrity, man. Even if it hurts you. You know, all your buddies is at the other house with a big screen. The other guy's got a 20-inch 20, 20 TV. You know, you've got to sit like one meter away from it. You're, if that's, you say yes, you stay there. Amen, family? Too many people are changing their minds like a wave tossing to and fro in the wind. Like it says in James 1, verse 5. Be consistent. I mean, can the real Christians stand up? Let me say that again. Can the real Christians stand up? Let me see your hands. Where are the real Christians today where your yes is yes? Be consistent. Look at this. Mother Teresa said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. Be wise with your wealth. Wait upon the Lord. Use your wealth for good as it creates ripples into eternity. 
You see, when you throw that stone in, it touches every area of the pond. Your deeds ripples into eternity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What ripples are you causing for your eternity? Nobody moving around at this time. Only workers that are moving around. What ripples are you causing in your dam or your lake or your sea of eternity? Are you even making a ripple? You say, Pastor Johnny, I want to make ripples, but I've got to know Jesus. If you want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, then today I'm going to ask you to make that commitment. If that is you, at the count of three, I want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. Or perhaps you used to serve Him, but you backslid in this time. You're no longer making ripples, but you want to continue to do that. You want to come back, or you want to have assurance of your salvation. If that is you, at any one of those three invitations, I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. Are you ready? What ripples are you creating for eternity? At the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand wherever you are. I see your hands. I see your hands in the name of Jesus. I see your hands in the name of Jesus. If you're watching online, raise your hand. Say, yes, that's me, Pastor Johnny. That's me, Pastor Johnny. I want to make a ripple. I want to leave a legacy in my life. I don't want to be like the guy that wants to take it all with me. I want to leave a legacy. I want to create ripples. In actual fact, I want to create waves in my life. But I got to know Jesus. For those of you that raised your hands, I want you to say this prayer out aloud. And everybody, join in and let's say this together. You ready? One, two, three. Let's say this. Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. He went to hell in my place so I can be free. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Thank you for calling me your child. I receive it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Oh,